Hey there, listeners. Instead of our regular show, this week I'm excited to bring you an episode of the Sporkful podcast hosted by our buddy, Dan Pashman. The Sporkful isn't for foodies, it's for eaters. Who doesn't love that? Each week on the show, Dan and his guests obsess about food to learn more about people. The Sporkful just celebrated its 10th anniversary, so I hope you'll check it out. They've won a James Beard Award for a reason, y'all. This episode is from last year, before COVID times, which is why you'll hear Dan go to a party held at a restaurant. We'll give you a little update on the restaurant at the end of the episode. Hope you enjoy it. Can you walk me through the menu a little bit tonight? Tell me, tell me what are the foods that we sure. see here? So tonight we have spinach pie from Greece, paella from Algeria, melanzane, parmigiana, which is made from Naples. We also have a lot of desserts. Yeah, let's go. Let's we go walk ha- over sure. the desserts. Oh my god! I'm at so an good. annual holiday party where attendees bring incredible homemade dishes from all over the world to share. Now, this event is very exclusive. It takes place on a remote island, and it's not open to the public. I'm having a lot of plates shoved in my face suddenly. The spinach pie. The spinach pie, yes, okay. What is this magical place where people fill your plate with all these amazing dishes? Well, the answer involves a guy dealing with the grief of losing his mother and the grandmas who saved him. This is The Spork Full. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. New York City is divided into five boroughs. There's Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, and then there's the one that's not so well known, the seemingly faraway land of Staten Island. Staten Island is more residential than the other boroughs. It's closer to New Jersey than to the rest of the city. So it's kind of suburban, but kind of the city. It's like the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which is actually attached to Wisconsin, not the rest of Michigan. It's one of those spots that legally is part of one place, but geographically and culturally is more part of another. So it ends up being this witch's brew of cultures. To outsiders, it seems like it's the same as everywhere else in that area. But all the locals know that place is just a little different. May I have your attention, please? The ferry will be docking shortly. For your safety, all passengers are to remain off stairs, ramps, and landings until the ferry has come to a complete stop at the terminal. To get to Staten Island, you can drive over a bridge. That's the only way I'd ever gone, and I always got across the bridge and just kept going to the bridge on the other side. So the only part of Staten Island I'd ever seen is the highway that cuts across it. So for my first real visit to this remote corner of the city, I went the fun way. I took the Staten Island ferry. In St. George, all passengers must exit the boat. Staten Island is home to about 450,000 people, by far the lowest population of New York's boroughs. And that gives it something of a small town, insulated feel. I saw that as soon as I arrived, when the owner of the restaurant I was visiting pulled up in his car. I'm here for 12 years, so everybody pretty much knows who I am and where I am and so you, you pulled your car up, you just double parked. That's not actually a space. And then you put an orange parking cone on the roof of your car. Well, I am working. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jody. Uh, my name is Jody Scaravella, and I own Enoteca Maria. I arrived at Enoteca Maria in the afternoon, a couple hours before the party you heard at the start of the show. Because to understand what makes this party special, you have to understand what makes this restaurant special. And for that... You have to understand Jody. 
I grew up uh, in an Italian family, so every Sunday and holidays, we would go to my grandmother, Domenica, who we used to call her Mima, and she would cook up these huge feasts. Your grandmother was Sicilian? Yeah, my grandmother on my mother's side was from Messina and Sciacca, and my father's family's from Piacenza, which is around Milano. Jody has a bushy gray beard and round spectacles, kind of like if Santa Claus lost 200 pounds and opened an independent bookstore. And you grew up in Brooklyn. Yes, in Brooklyn, there was 15 kids on my block. We're all about the same age, and they were all Italian. So my view of the world was, was very narrow, quite narrow. Jody's grandparents often made do with very little. So some of the Italian dishes he grew up with aren't the ones you find in most Italian restaurants today. Dishes like the gabuzzel, uh, which is the lamb's head that we have on the menu, um, that represents a time when uh, that's all that they could afford. So for a few pennies, you got this lamb's head, and then you had to feed your family with it, and you had to figure out how to make it something beautiful, which my grandmother did many times. And now the ladies at the Enoteca do. How'd your grandmother do it? first thing you do when you get that is you drop it in a pot of water and you boil it for an hour just to clean it. And then uh, she didn't split the head. So we used to end up with this, uh, this head sitting on a plate in the middle of the table with these big black eyes staring out. And, you know, it seemed so much bigger when I was a little kid. Uh, and then, you know, I remember my grandfather reaching over with his fork to screw out one of the eyeballs because... The eyes go to the head of the household. I don't know why, but that's the way it ends up. And I was terrorized by this whole process. <laughs> <laughs> but yet you have it on the menu here. It's kind of in, in honor of, of my grandmother because she used to make it. So I have, I have things on the menu that kind of bring me back. But it is interesting because so much of Italian cooking now as Italian-Americans have assimilated into America, there's a lot of very nice Italian restaurants people go and spend a lot of money at. I think people have, some people may have sort of forgotten that so many of those dishes were born out of poverty. I mean, every uh, culture has their starch. Uh, Northern Italian, they'll use rice. You'll see a lot of rice. Southern Italian, you'll see the pasta. You know, who's using yucca and who's using potatoes and, you know, something to fill the bellies. So those poverty-driven dishes are very important to me, and I think they really represent the true nature of, of food. Italians, you know, nobody was wasting anything. And if there was any bread left over from yesterday, they would take that bread and they would soak it in water. If they had milk, they would soak it in milk and mix that with the meat, and they would expand that meat with this day-old bread and you get a meatball, which is so much better than just meat or meat and breadcrumbs. And that's how we do it here. We make bread, and then we let it get stale. <laughs> no, we do. Yeah, yeah. And then we, we use it to create that, that meatball, which you're going to love. Oh, my God, I can't wait. What do you think about the fact that Italian food in America has become increasingly high-end? I think that there's a lot of wonderful chefs that do a great job uh, interpreting what those dishes are supposed to be. You know, personally, I, I like to go right to the source. So I want to I wanna meet that grandmother where that recipe came from 
because she's that repository. She's the person that takes that culture forward, and she got that from her mother and from her grandmother. So that's what I'm interested in. When Jody says he's more interested in meeting the grandmother the recipe came from, he doesn't just mean it metaphorically. This is actually the idea behind Enoteca Maria. All the chefs are grandmas, or nonas, Italian for grandma. From the time Jody opened the restaurant, this was how he wanted it. I lost my grandmother about 20 years ago, and I lost my mom now. It uh, has to be 14 years ago, and my sister about 13 years ago. So I lost all those matriarchal figures in my life. Uh, I inherited a little bit of money from my mom, um, her name was Maria. That's my grandmother and my sister, my mom right there. So their I named are, it. Their pictures are up yeah, on the wall. So I named it after my mom. It's Enoteca Maria. And uh, I think subconsciously I was just trying to comfort myself. It was a Band-Aid for, uh, for my suffering, you know, trying to recreate that, that comfort zone. So, uh, and, and everything that kind of happened afterwards, it just came out of that. None of it was planned. And am I right, from day one, you had the idea that we're going to have grandmas in here cooking? From day one, uh, well, I put an ad in the Italian newspaper, American OG, and it said, Cercasi uh, Casalinga per Cucinare Regional Tipical, which basically means we're looking for housewives to uh, cook these regional dishes. Uh, and uh, the place was being built out, so I uh, invited all of these women to my home. I live uh, about a 12-minute walk from here. And all of these ladies started showing up at the house with these dishes of food for me to try. And they came with their husbands, and they came with their kids, and they came with their grandkids, and they came with their neighbors. And I had a house full of people with plates of food. It was like a Fellini movie. <laughs> and, uh, and some of these ladies were grandmothers. And, you know, all of a sudden, you start to get all warm and fuzzy. And, and that's how it was born. Jody opened Enoteca Maria in 2007. He had a core group of Italian nonas from the community as the chefs. For the menu, they just adapted the dishes they'd been cooking for years in their own homes for a larger crowd. And the response was huge. News outlets, Facebook fans, just a lot of buzz. And for good reason. I mean, as Jody put it, these ladies have hundreds of years of cooking expertise coming out of their fingertips. So things were going well. Then, 2015, eight years after opening, Jody decided to make a change. He saw that while the chefs and the food were all Italian, the people coming to eat there were from all over the world. So he thought, why not let the food and the Nonas be too? So I just felt it was, it was right that we represent everybody's culture. Here's how it works now, or at least how it was working before COVID hit in March. There are two kitchens running simultaneously. In one, an Italian Nona, Nona Adelina, prepares Italian dishes. In the other, there's a rotation where Nonas from all over the world take turns preparing their cuisine on different nights. So just list for me some of the non-Italian Nonas who, uh, who are regulars here and where they're from. Well, yesterday, uh, Nona Rosa from Lima, Peru, cooked. And on Saturday... Nona Carmen from Buenos Aires uh, cooked. But there's also there's Sri Lanka and there's India and there's Syria, there's Palestine. And you'll meet most of those ladies tonight. 
Coming up, I attend Enoteca Maria's annual holiday party, which means I'll be in a room with 20 grandmas all competing to feed me. Stick around. everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. Hey, over on our podcast, we have another episode that I think you might like. It's about James Beard. You probably know his name from the James Beard Awards or James Beard Foundation. Those are both named after a real person. James Beard was the first celebrity chef of the TV era and a home cooking evangelist in an era of frozen TV dinners. Beard was also gay, but he never came out publicly. Throughout his life, he's both constrained by fears, but he's he's you see him sort of constantly pushing the envelope. And his charm is in the tension between those things. That episode is called Who Was James Beard? You can find it in the Sporkful's feed right now. Listen in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Okay, back to the show. The dining room at Enoteca Maria is long and narrow. Lots of exposed brick and an open kitchen in the back. It was the night of the restaurant's annual holiday party, which is not open to the public. It's a potluck event just for the knownness, and everyone brings something. One by one, they came in, each with plates or aluminum trays filled with food covered in foil. I met an Italian nona named Maria, so when she cooks in the second kitchen, it means there are two different takes on Italian food in the same night. Hello. Hi, how are you? Dan. That's Nona Maria. Nona Maria, nice to meet you. Yeah, I cook over here. Okay, welcome. Uh, Merry Christmas. Thank you. How long have you been cooking here? Three years. Three years? What are some of your favorite dishes to cook? Lasagna, bacala e patate, zucchini parmigiana, bring it right Oh, zucchini parmigiana, very nice. So, a lot of things, you know. Why is your lasagna the best? Because everybody likes lasagna. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> like gnocchi, you know, ravioli. What is your favorite thing about working here? Uh, for me. For you, uh, why does it make you happy? Happy because I like work. I like people. Because when I was small, uh, in Italy, I have a bar. You had a bar in Italy? Bar in Italy. So uh, I like people. That's my life. More Nonas came in, and there were lots of warm embraces. They don't get to see each other that often, since most of them work on different nights. There are about 30 Nonas right now. Some only cook once a year. Others cook every month. They plan their menus in advance and send Jody a list of groceries ahead of time. The Italian Nona who always works in the kitchen, Nona Adelina, she lends expertise to the newer chefs, who might be cooking for a large group for the first time. Next, I met Dolly, or 
Nona Dali. She's from Sri Lanka. She's been cooking at Enoteca Maria for about two and a half years. I cook so many things. One is I make hoppers. What are, what are hoppers? Hoppers is a crepe. Crepe. You can put an egg in the center. Okay. Or you can put, uh, some put milk, thick coconut milk with sugar. Oh. That's known as the milk hopper. This cake I brought is what my mother, grandmother, what we make. What kind of cake is it? Christmas cake. It's all fruits. Very sweet. Lots of calories, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and how old were you when you came here? My 30s. Okay. And so, what was the role of cooking and food for you here in the U.S.? I came as a babysitter. So I used to cook there. Then that lady is, was also a Sri Lankan. So she knew I could cook. So she used to tell me, Dolly, if you can cook, uh, this person wants this, this person wants this. They want rolls, they want cutlets. Oh, she, she had you cooking for the other families? Her friends. Okay. <laughs> so everybody who came there to eat used to thank me before they went. <laughs> saying the food was good because I used to cook. Right. Next, I met Nono Plumitsa from Chios, Greece, who was there with her daughter, Maria. Thanks. Hi, Nice to meet you. My English is not so... That's okay. Maria, do you mind? I'm sorry, I know you just walked in. Do you mind if we chat with your mom a little bit? Maybe you can help, you can translate? Okay. Okay. First off, just how long have you been working here? Uh, two and a half years. Two and a half years. I started September 26, 2016. So you don't need a translator. Ah, uh, no, no, everything. <laughs> Yeah, no. How are you feeling before you came in here for the first time? I know your husband had just passed away. What, what were you uh, feeling in your life? Uh, I'm so sad. I don't want to see nobody and I cry. Uh, my children work in a job, me by myself in a home. You're by yourself? Yeah, by myself. So I'm crying. Maria saw me so nervous. She was depressed at home and didn't have anything to do. And so, you know, I saw the advertisement on the computer and I just said that this would be a nice, um, um, this would be a nice distraction for my mother to get over her grief for my father. So this is how we, uh, we, we began. And I didn't even tell her really. I just told her, let's just pass by this restaurant. I didn't tell her the real reason for it. And Why? I, because I thought that she would get overwhelmed. I said, why don't we just come to see this on your birthday, which was... September 4th. Maria said to me, Mark, come to Staten Island to, to see this restaurant with this ladies thing. Then grandmother said, okay. And they came here and met me, met and Nona Maria was in the kitchen with Nona Adelina. They were chopping tomatoes, they were cooking. And so my mother just basically went straight for them in the open kitchen and they started, I think they were even hugging and stuff, but they don't even know each other. <laughs> and then through their uh, nonverbal communication, through their mannerisms, they started communicating and uh, showing each other how to, you, how they make their dishes. And so this is how they became connected right away. Plumitsa says that most of the time she was married, her husband refused to let her work. There was a period where she defied him and found a job in a school cafeteria, but mostly she was at home. Now, once a month, she's the chef at Enoteca Maria. 
What what are some of the specialties of your island and your village? Everything. They make an octopus and they make an eggplants, eggplants like a moussaka, eggplant stew with meat, stew, village stew with potato and carrots. Another one, Lachanundormades, stuffed cabbage. Stuffed cabbage. Yeah, and they make every year. So now I'm very happy here, yeah, very nice uh, things for make food, for nice lady, for uh, that's it, that's, I'm very happy. She has a big following, all these friends that she's just, um, you know, and also reconnected with people from her past because somehow CNN, um, I think CNN was here or something, and so uh, CNN in Greece got a hold of the story, and then all of a sudden she became a, you know, a little mini celebrity over there or overnight, and uh, she was in all the newspapers over there. Wow. Even on the side, we, at home, we make videos all the time of her recipes. I have her on a YouTube channel, <laughs> you know. I mean, this is like a, a second job for me. You're the social media director. Yes, I think so. Right. I'm becoming, yeah. When she started at the restaurant, and the reception from the customers, I haven't seen something like this before. They were actually calling her from the kitchen to come and meet her. They were hugging her and they were like clapping for her and kissing her. And it was just kind of like something I've never seen that happen at a restaurant before. <laughs> yeah. After meeting all the Nonas, it was finally time to eat. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Oh, yeah. oh I've been that handed a plate. Amazing. Oh, oh, thank you. Melanzana, here you go. <laughs> Melanzana di Piani? Oh, no, you have. I've had a lot of plates shoved in my face suddenly. The spinach pie. The spinach pie, yes, okay. Melanzane is a baked eggplant dish. There was paella and tuna cakes and Russian pierogies. There was Dali's Christmas cake and an Armenian dessert called pakablit, similar to a donut. I mean, I could go on and on. Then, of course, there was the spinach pie, the spanakopita, that was made by Nono Plumitsa, who you heard a minute ago. This is the great thing about working with Nona's is that they all want you to eat. They, they, oh, they gave you something from oh my God, I'm trying to, I'm, Italy, just, something from Greece. These here are you have. This is homemade yes, right here? Yes, homemade, delicious, sells out every time she makes them for us. Delicious, huh? It's so good. It's so much better than the frozen ones at the grocery store. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the pastry. Just listen to this crisp. Mm. Everybody like uh, the spinach. Yes, but this is good. It's very good. Thank you. Thank you more spinach. I will. I will. I gotta make sure I try everything. I gotta tell Nona Maria. I gotta grab. I gotta grab a fork to try the zucchini parm. I think Maria's gonna get upset if I don't eat it very soon. Okay. I'm going into the zucchini parm. What's that? Zucchini parmigiano. Yes, yes. Okay. Oh my God, this is so good. No, no, Maria, the zucchini parmigiano is bellissimo. You like it? Very good, yes. See, don't like it, that's why. Yes, oh, so good. Maria, make zucchini parmigiano. You know, a lot of times in America, yes, when they make parmigiana, see. They, they put lots of mozzarella cheese, yes. but no parmigiana. Ah, no parmigiana, yes. Yeah. They don't know to put the parmigiana on the parmigiana. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> hey, Joe. Salute. Yeah. Salute. I was doing my best to try everything, but it was intense. You know how your grandma pushes food on you? 
Imagine a party with 20 grandmas where you're the only grandchild. They all wanted me to try the thing they made, and they all wanted to make sure I liked it. And when I did like it, they wanted me to have more. As the party progressed, trays of food started getting passed all over the place. Oh, what's that one? What's that one coming by? It's Larissa's. Larissa's? Yeah. It's, a, it's a Russian? It is a Russian pierogi. I speak Russian. Okay, this is a pierogi, like, like a pierogi. Yes, pierogi. Right. Inside meat. Meat and, uh, and onions. Ground meat. Ground meat and onions. Yeah. Okay. All right, I'm going in. Oh. Oh my god. The spicing on this one and the beef. I don't even know what that spice is, but it's so good. And it's got the sweet onions. It's salty and doughy. Every food at this event feels like a hug. Everything is so good, but I can't finish everything that these nonas have been giving to me because I would literally die. But I also feel like if I leave some on my plate and they see that, that's going to be a problem. So I need to kind of discreetly do something with these plates, discreetly dispose of them. In the end, I think I managed to try just about everything. As the party slowed down, I checked in with Jody. He opened this restaurant 12 years ago after his mother and grandmother passed away. Now here he was, surrounded by mothers and grandmothers. What do you think your mom and your grandmother would have thought of, of, these, of this crowd? Well, you know, I only wish they were here now to celebrate uh, this Christmas with us. That's, that's, that's my wish. Yeah. Ho- holidays are the hardest. Do you feel that opening this place has done for you what you hoped it would do? Um, that's a, that's a question, um, that I ask myself often. Um, I think after you lose your mom, you kind of feel orphaned and it's very difficult. It was very difficult for me. I think this has helped me through that, uh, that grieving process. Um, but I think there's something about losing your mom that you never really get over that. That's Jody Scaravella from Enoteca Maria on Staten Island. My thanks to him, as well as to Paola, the restaurant's manager, and to Nona Maria, Nona Dali, Nona Plumitsa, Plumitsa's daughter Maria, and all the other Nonas for including me in their holiday celebration and for feeding me so well. Hey folks, it's Marty here again. A quick update on Jody and his restaurant. Sadly, it had to close during the pandemic, especially since the Nonas are in that high-risk age group. But they've started selling the Nonas of the World sauces to help pay the bills while the restaurant remains closed. You can buy the sauces online or in person. Just visit their website for more information. Thank you to the Sportful Podcast for sharing this story with us. You can find the Sportful on whatever app you're using right now to listen. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. So go ahead and subscribe. It's a great show. Special thanks to host Dan Pashman and the Sportful team. Gofen and Putu Buele, Emma Morgenstern, and Sani, 
Tracy Samuelson, and Jared O'Connell. 